The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to The Silver Bells Murders, the unofficial American Gothic internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Friday, August 19th, 2016, and I am your host, Samantha Hoover. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CBS's American Gothic. Please welcome my co-host, Poppy Chulo. Hey, listeners and SBK, if you're out there, we're still looking for you, but I think we've got some new clues. Or maybe not. Who knows? We will see in just a few minutes. Let's jump into our recap of Season 1, Episode 9, titled The Oxbow, and aired August 17, 2016. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Key Hawthorne family secrets are revealed when Garrett is forced to reflect on his 14 years of solitude in the woods. Also... Allison turns the screws on a local reporter with with shocking results. Before we jump into the initial reactions, let's check in with this week's ratings. So American Gothic trended down to a 0.4 demographic or 2.37 million viewers. So Poppy, what was your initial reaction to this episode? I liked the episode, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was going to be a little bit boring when I read the synopsis of what it was going to be about, because I was like, you know, how much of him being out in the woods alone was going to be interesting but it turned out to be like really fascinating and I loved getting to know what Garrett was doing throughout all those years out in the woods uh, with what we thought was just himself so I thought it was a really really compelling story and uh, it sort of matched a bit his isolation behind bars which i thought was fascinating and uh, all the other little nuggets that we got from the outside world was really interesting as well i thought it was a really good episode yeah i totally agree with you um for me this episode was somewhat shocking like you said we've finally seen garrett's past like we know exactly what happened there it's not a question mark And it wasn't exactly what I expected, because they portray him as the killer, like he's the one, he's scruffy, he's kind of mysterious, he should be the killer. Um, But for me, I can say without spoiling a single thing, I am so happy I was right about Garrett all along. But before we get into a thorough recap, here are a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media. Follow the show on Tumblr, thesilverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. Follow the station on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at Poppy Chulo Radio. Help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at PoppyChuloRadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at PoppyChuloRadio.com. 
Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chulo Radio programs by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives. And search for The Silver Bells Murders through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. New episodes are available to download on Fridays throughout the summer. Okay, so before we get into the actual episode, we open with a recap of everything we've been shown so far. So we just see like a quick recap of what has gone on, the key points anyways. We then see Brady and he's speaking to someone. That someone is Garrett and he's in jail. They're in an interrogation room. Brady doesn't believe Garrett killed anyone and that it was his dad that did this. And he says to come clean to his role in the SBK killings. They have Garrett's knife and he knows it was the one at the site of the first killing. We then see a flashback from 2002 and Garrett is holding said knife in his hands. He seems to be extremely dirty with blood or dirt, we don't know. And then Madeline asks him what he had just done. Switching back to the present day, Madeline is visiting Garrett and asks how he is making out in jail. She asks if the police questioned him. Garrett says yes and that he answered very little. Madeline says to not say anything ever. She hired a criminal defense lawyer to help him, but Garrett says to stop. It's over and this was inevitable. They just postponed the outcome for 14 years. Madeline remembers Mitch giving Garrett the knife and presses to ask if he remembers that too. He says he remembers a lot. Some memories surface more readily than others. We then see another 2002 flashback where Garrett is hovering over Tessa's bed. She then grabs a picture of her and Garrett and looks at it. So the criminal defense lawyer reassures Garrett that she will save his butt, that he's an innocent bystander with an unlucky genealogy. Garrett hesitates to believe her. She brushes off his attitude as a shock to the system and that he didn't expect to go to jail. But Garrett says he actually did expect that. So what did you think of this as the opening scene, Poppy? Like this was kind of multifaceted in a way we saw flashbacks and we saw how Garrett's doing in jail what did you think of that initially the flashbacks were interesting it was a little suspicious in the beginning I'm not gonna lie seeing a a young Garrett dirty bloodied up with the knife and the knife has blood on it and uh Madeline looked very surprised which was interesting because I know that one of the sort of like recurring theories is that Madeline is somehow involved in all of this and she looked like really shocked so I thought that was interesting and then when he was hovering over Tessa and he left her something like that really didn't surprise me because uh, I mean we've always kind of known that they have and had like a really tight really close relationship So I thought that was appropriate. And as far as everything that was going on in the jail, like Madeline was interesting because she was still like, you know, don't say anything, you know, whatever, you know, what you know, keep it to yourself. But she was also trying to help him out. She was like, you know, let's pin it on your father, you know, say that the knife was his and that he gave it to you so that you were in possession of something that SBK gave you and so that you are no longer implemented in being his accomplice so i thought that was interesting that he was she was still trying to save him even though they kind of do have a very tense relationship together she was still trying to protect her child yeah i'll have to say this is the first episode where madeline looked innocent to me which was kind of weird because I've been saying since week one that she's it, you know, and then this happens and I was like, well, she looks genuinely surprised at this. So I was like, what am I supposed to think? And we'll have to see what goes on and if she really is guilty later on. 
So moving forward, the lawyer tells Garrett to sit tight and keep quiet. She asks Garrett if he's sleeping okay, to which he says, yes, I can sleep anywhere. We then see a 2003 flashback of Garrett waking up in a house. He gets up and opens the curtain. He quickly runs out the door with his stuff before the family arrives back home, which, you know, we see that it's not his family. Garrett then travels out to the forest where he sets up camp and he tries to bring into someone's cabin. An arrow pierces the cabin right next to him and the angry owner accuses him of theft. Garrett pleads with him that he just needs a warm place to stay. He admits he's been couch surfing, unbeknownst to the other cabin owners. This cabin owner demands he go back to Boston. So I think they're in, he's in Maine, I think. That's where uh, it was said some, somewhere. Yeah, there. Maine. Yeah. Um, so he's a little bit farther from home. But Garrett refuses to go back. He couldn't take the people. The man throws him his canteen before Garrett walks away. So back to the present day, we see Cam calling Garrett at jail from rehab. He seems to be doing well there. Garrett then apologizes to Cam, who forgives him absolutely. Garrett regrets not being there for more of Cam's life, and Cam then says he should be the one apologizing. Garrett then says he's so proud of Cam for staying true to himself through all of this. Garrett claims he's getting it all out before he heads to the electric chair. We then see another flashback. Garrett is running through the forest trying to catch his next meal. The man from the cabin, whose name is Jenkins, catches his kill and invites him to eat with him. He offers to show him how to actually catch and kill a rabbit, and suggests he, that he will only be there once every year, so maybe he'll let Garrett stay there the rest of the year? Jenkin, uh, Jenkins offers to show Garrett his other cabin tomorrow. So the next day, Jenkins opens his other cabin and they clean it up a bit. Garrett begins planting and then they go rabbit hunting properly with traps. We jump to 2008 now where Garrett is rabbit hunting on his own. Jenkins praises him for his progress, but Garrett still asks him to cook it himself. He asks if Garrett hunted with his dad before, to which he said, a few times. Okay, so we've been given insight into Garrett's past through several flashbacks within the first like five to ten minutes of the show. Poppy, how do you feel about what we've learned about him so far? I'm not gonna lie, when uh, he was like, my dad has taken me hunting a few times, like I thought that was so sketch. Just because of SBK and all that kind of stuff, I was like, hunting? What? I thought that yeah. was really interesting. And uh, I, I liked the flashbacks. I, I liked that he had somebody there that was kind of like teaching him the way. Because if you really think about it, and, and it's something I think maybe none of us thought of when we initially were presented with the fact that he was gone for all that time and living in the woods. Like, how does this like preppy rich boy survive in the forest by himself? when he doesn't know anything to be quite honest and like as we saw like i mean he didn't know how to catch a rabbit so i like that he had kind of like his own forest guide for lack of a better word and uh, he had someone there supporting him and at least teaching him how to be able to survive out there by himself yeah, I agree because I don't know what Mitch taught him. I, I assume it's all of the wrong things and that's why he left. But to have someone that's genuinely interested in mentoring him, like that was so nice to see. And yeah. I'm really happy that someone was actually there for him. Like, and he wasn't just alone. Because that's what I thought this whole time. Like, oh, he's surviving alone. Like, how did he get there? How is he doing? Like, I don't know how he gets those skills, but he got it from someone else. Mm-hmm. That's true. Alright, so going along, we see that Allison is at jail and she actually doesn't buy that Garrett is the accomplice, which I found interesting because, you know, they didn't have the best relationship. 
in the beginning and then now she's like well i don't think you did that so garrett asks about her thinking he was spk before and then she just says it's water under the bridge so i guess she's changed her opinion of him she says she's on garrett's side and asks if there's anything she can do he says he'll let her know garrett grabs her hand and says he's okay allison says she has to go she's meeting with an employee so we then see Jen, the reporter, doing yoga and meditating, and she's like, oh, everything's going to be okay, I am wonderful, I am amazing, blah blah blah, until Allison just shows up unexpectedly. Apparently her door was broken and she could just walk in. So Allison uh-huh. asks her to get something on Mayor Conley for the election so that she can look better, because she's frankly not doing too well. Yeah. She, she wants Jen to take him down herself. She reminds her about the bug that she planted when he, uh, she was sleeping with her husband and uses that as blackmail if Jen doesn't comply. Like, you're a journalist, you're uh, transparent, this will look better coming from you than it would coming from me. She doesn't care how, she just wants her to get info or she'll be meditating in jail. We are back in 2008 once again. Jenkins asks why Garrett is attached to his knife because he's kind of like, like playing with it at the dinner table. And he's like, well, is there some kind of sentimental value with that? With that? And Garrett kind of agrees with that, which I thought kind of, you know, a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. And they both say their families are dead. So I believe Jenkins, like his family's dead because he has this memory of his niece. He's like, oh, she used to play oboe. She was a great player. And he kind of just digresses because she's dead. But Garrett says that his family is dead. So he doesn't have to talk about this crazy family, Brady Bunch sickos living back in Boston so that he's just like oh yeah me too we can relate to that he does uh, mention tessa though which i was not surprised by um, yeah i thought that was really nice yeah like okay they're all dead to me but tessa <laughs> you know literally and then jenkins asks if garrett misses tessa so he says they came out to the woods camping together before which i don't know if i believe but he said it so that it's been said um and then jenkins says that uh, he wants to make a toast to, to family, like the ones we like anyways. So, uh, back in the present day, Tessa seems to think Garrett's knife was planted in his cabin and discusses this with Brady. And Brady's like, you know, he's the cop, he's the detective, so he's just trying to look at this objectively. He's like, you know what, you need to stop. He says he understands what she's going through, but says she must face the reality of what's happening. Like, Tessa, Tessa is in her own little world. She's like, Garrett is my big brother. He would never do that. He would never do that. And he's, she's just been there for like so long. And Brady's like, we need to look at this. He's in jail. He he probably killed someone. There was a knife there. And then Brady says to ask him point blank if he was involved. Just go to jail and ask Garrett, did you kill someone? Were you involved? And then Tessa blames him for asking her to use herself against Garrett. Brady makes a good point, though. Doesn't she need to know the truth for herself? So, Garrett and that knife. What do you think that sentimental value could be? Why is he so attached to that thing? I was like, oh boy. I don't want to say what I'm thinking because I know this is contradicting to how I feel about Garrett, but he killed somebody and I didn't like that. That didn't sit right with me, but what did you think? Yeah, I mean, good grief. I mean, we were given all these like little nuggets from like his relationships with his various siblings, like at the start of this episode, like we had him and Cam and then we have him and Allison and then also him and... Um, Madeline like it was interesting to see how he was reacting to all of them as they were visiting him well although Cam it was done over the phone because obviously he's stuck in his own type of jail but uh, much more comfortable because it's rehab yeah it was really interesting to see that relationship 
in that way and yeah and yeah. then all of a sudden like throwing brady into the mix and basically brady telling tessa like you need to go like you should go for yourself but obviously it's going to help him but yeah. it's i would say he's probably 50 50 at that moment like 50 percent, it's him being the doting husband and 50 percent is him being the cop that's trying to find sbk's accomplice but I, I genuinely think that he really was doing it for her because she was all about like it can't be garrett and she was living kind of like in uh, a um you know living with rose-colored glasses i think that's the phrase you know like everything is going to be fine like there's no way it can be him and you know this that or the other but like brady really wanted to like take those rose-colored glasses off of her face and be like you need to get into the real world because these are like major accusations and this is your brother and you need to find the truth out for yourself the truth is out there she just needs to go get it yes all right so this is very flashback heavy i liked this i liked how they told this episode so when we move forward we go into another flashback so we see Garrett in the woods. It's 2009 now. He peers across the way to a big house. Maybe it was the Hawthorne household? Again, a year later in 2010, he peers at the house from the woods and the family is home. And we do see it's his family. Yes, it's their, I think that's their summer cabin. Yeah, I remember them mentioning that. So they're all at the cabin. We see younger versions of Tessa, Brady, Cam, Madeline, and Jack. Garrett is watching them and listening, which I, you know, this is kind of creepy. Like, he, they think he's like... I don't know what they think, but he's gone. Allison is pregnant with the twins. And mm -hmm. Tessa is taunting Kim about how Sophie came into his life. So With a horrible wig. Yeah. Sorry, Tessa girl, but that was a really bad wig. The rest of the family goes inside after a minute and Tessa is outside alone. Later that night, Garrett sneaks into Tessa's room while she sleeps and sneaks a note into her bag. We then see Garrett on the phone with her and she's shocked to find the note. It was his phone number. Um, she's upset that Garrett didn't come in to see her and say hi, but is excited that she now has a way to talk to him after all these years. They say they miss each other, and she asks him why he left and where he, when he's coming back and all these other questions that a younger sister is expected to ask, and she was very frantic about it. Garrett says he needs to go, but he promises to talk to her soon. And then she's almost crying, and she says she loves him, and he's like, he seems super sad, and he just quickly says, you too, and hangs up. So back in the present day, we see Tessa visiting Garrett at jail. Garrett asks how she is and asks what the baby's heartbeat. She says everything is good. And then Tessa asks how he's holding up and Garrett says he's fine. She then asks about the knife and how it wound up in the cabin. So it took like a sharp turn there. She doesn't think he's a killer, but asks him to say that he didn't kill anyone just for her peace of mind. Please just tell me you didn't. However, Garrett can't exactly tell her that. And that's all he says. And she is clearly shocked in tears by this statement and she walks out of the interrogation room so two questions first what was your reaction to garrett hovering around his family's home did you think that was creepy or was it kind of like how he is now that he's in the woods that's just kind of his thing now he has to be on the outside looking in uh, second how did you feel about tessa's revelation like about garrett now that he's not the safest person in the world to her like what did you feel about that as well i thought him checking in on his family was endearing it, it kind of gave me the sense that he missed them a bit he missed the interactions with his family members and I, I thought it was sweet like you could tell 
as we saw him like going back and going back and like not seeing anyone that he was a little bit disappointed and then all of a sudden once they're there you know you could see that he's a bit happier to see them even though he just mentioned tessa and he has obviously that really great connection with tessa it really looked like he was happy to see all of them and to at least get to know what they've been up to throughout all these years and uh, you know he basically got the chance to hear everything that they've been into since he departed since he personally decided to leave and uh seclude himself from the world so that was like really nice as far as tessa and her reaction to what he said i mean obviously her world kind of crumbled because she was like really all pollyanna about it she was like he's innocent you know this is all a misunderstanding everything's gonna be fine rosy hunky dory all this kind of stuff and then he sort of confirms to her that he has killed someone at least because that was the question, and uh, he didn't answer it, and he was looking hella suspicious, hella sketchy when he didn't answer it. So, I mean, I get her reaction, and she seems to be a very emotional person already. So her, like, really emotional, visceral reaction to his non-answer was uh, appropriate, and uh, I'm sure it was what he wanted her to think at that time because as we've noticed he has been saying like hella suspicious things to everybody or looking hella suspicious to anybody that's there in the prison from brady to the lawyer i mean the lawyer got it got to the point where she was like you know don't tell me anything i don't want to know anything you know don't talk to anybody because you're looking hella suspicious so now he did it also to tessa I was really shocked that he was so honest with her about that because, yeah, everything else under the sun is fine, but when you kill someone, it's like that's a whole another box that you don't want to open. But, like, he really loves her, and I really saw that, and he didn't want to keep anything from her, and he thought she could handle it. But also being pregnant, the emotions are not very um, held together, so that I'm sure that made it worse. Um, But I think, yeah, her reaction was appropriate. And I actually do agree, like, I was also shocked to know that maybe he was missing his family because it just seemed like he had such a vendetta against his father and the family didn't get along with him after all these years. I thought it was just he was gone for 14 years straight, but he kept coming back, which was really sweet for me to notice. So going along, we see Brady and Tessa in their kitchen. She says he's right and that she's been in denial. She brings Brady the picture Garrett left her when she was a child. She thinks it may jog someone's memory and that she will do anything to help. Brady brings this picture to Garrett in jail and tells him how easy it would be for someone to recognize him in the neighborhood. Garrett says he thinks Brady is good for Tessa and he's happy about them and their baby, which kind of confuses Brady and he's so angry at this point for Tessa. He says, look, you have just lost your last true supporter in this world. And Brady says, you know what, whatever plea deal that you may be offered, you take it because I'm done. Somewhere along the line, Garrett slipped up. There is no way Brady thinks in his mind that he could have done everything or anything, whatever he had done, without being seen. So we're back in 2010, and Jenkins asks if anyone saw him. So that's kind of creepy coming off that sentence, Um, which I actually will applaud because every time a flashback comes, it kind of goes off of what Garrett says or what someone else says, and it kind of 
ties in with the flashback, which I thought exactly. was really I noticed that too. Wonderfully done. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the writers. That was amazing. Um, so Jenkins asks if anyone saw him. No context there, so that sounds awful. He gives an account of his family and where they're all at in their lives. Tessa and Brady, Allison being pregnant, and Cam married with a child. Garrett muses and he thought, as a child, you know, maybe he was going to be the first one getting married. Because I assume he's the oldest brother, the oldest child. And he thought maybe he would have been the first to be married and have kids, but that's just not in the cards anymore for him. Jenkins says nothing is impossible. And then he begins to have a coughing fit. Garrett asks him if he's okay. And then Jenkins says, oh, it's just congestive heart failure. Oh yeah, that's that's nothing. <laughs> it's getting worse though. He says it'll probably kill him one of these days, which he doesn't seem too upset about. So thinking back on how little we knew about Garrett and how easy it was for us to make assumptions that he was the bad guy, he was the killer, and comparing that to now where we know so much, has your opinion of Garrett changed in any way? Yeah, I mean, he initially started off being like the suspect, I think. We all found him to be creepy and I mean he looked like the killer. I mean I'm not gonna lie. Like the way he came in as like the mountain man and him being gone for so long after, you know, like the final kill and there not being any other killers since then that or any other kills since he left, then I was like, okay, this is hella suspicious. Then you know, I think we all sort of softened on him because of his character and his relationships and uh, his actions, even though they, they being the writers, kind of like made him do a lot of sketchy things. It was kind of too obvious. And then in the previous episode, we had uh, him uh, basically looking hella suspicious and uh you know it's it was like could it be him like is this what they're gonna be doing and then this episode even though they were making him look really suspicious in the present and even a little suspicious in the past like everything was just sort of like clicking too well for me where i was like this can't be like real in the sense that you know them being the writers like trying to make him seem like he was the accomplice they're like working really too hard at making that case so i was like this this can't be real i totally agree with you and i think that's what i've been saying this whole time it's like he looks the part he can't be the part it's the one that's going to look the most innocent or maybe it's not maybe it'll be a combination of um innocent and guilty at the same time so like um, the theory of maybe Tessa being a killer because she's kind of both at the same time um, or even the accomplice because they just want to confuse you to the point where you just keep changing your mind um, but Garrett always had to look like the creepiest one and he always had to look like the one that just doesn't have any good intentions but we've seen time and time again even right now especially right now with the flashbacks that we he's been proving that wrong like he donated 200 grand of his mother's money to the hospital and you know he's done he got that four grand for cam and he's always just been so doting to jack even though jack needs a lot more than mentor at yeah. this point. um which jess would agree if she was here um but yeah i just my opinion of gary like i said it's been fluid but i've never thought of him negatively 
So then we go forward and we meet up with Allison and Jen, who says she's been following Conley. And she spotted him with Detective Cutter in a car, which shocked me. Mm-mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Like, when I saw that, I was like, excuse you. Like, Brady wouldn't be caught dead doing that or anything. She has pictures to prove this. If she finds anything more, Jen promises to report on this that same day at her 5 o'clock report. So then Jack visits Garrett in jail, which was what I was waiting for. And he's brought him a book, Escape from Alcatraz. He thought it would be very helpful for very I know, key. right? I thought that was cute, even though we know how Jack yeah, is. Yeah, even though he's twisted, I thought this whole scene was kind of adorable. Yeah, which lately they've been showing the more child side of Jack, minus last episode. But Yeah, and in my mind I was like, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe he wouldn't kill some of his family. He'll kill, like the little girls but maybe he won't kill the adults and whenever maybe, he turns full psychopath and maybe he won't kill that little girl that he met at a camp because they have the exact same mindset that oh yes just, they're gonna get married anyways he also brought him a drawing of the black plague with some facts about how it killed 25 million people but it didn't go to jail you know what if garrick just killed one why is he in jail he's trying to rationalize why he's there yeah. And then Jack says he saw his girlfriend at the hospital. Christina was there, not the as the one a that nurse. stabbed you. Yeah, the one that stabbed you. You know, like not that like, that other girl that stabbed you, but this one. Um, and then he says, "Well, she wasn't working. She was a patient. She was getting an ultrasound." And Garrett looked like I have never seen him look speechless. This was the first time, and it kind of scared me. We see him calling Christina, and uh, he tells her what Jack just told him. And Garrett is wondering the obvious question, like, is this baby mine? She then abruptly hangs up, and he's just, like, pissed. And then Garrett's told to wrap it up by the prison guard. So he pleads with the guy, for a few more minutes, I have to call my wife. And then he calls Darcy, the defense lawyer. He has a reason to get out of there, because Garrett is going to be a father. So, in what seems to be the biggest twist so far in the series... What are your thoughts on Garrett finding out he's going to be a father? How did you feel about that? Yeah, I was like, why? 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 Because this is just so complicated. Like, what do you tell your child? Hey, son or daughter, you know how I met your mommy? Well, it turns out many, many moons ago, someone in my family killed her father. And then I went away for some time. But when I came back, I started stalking her. And then I cut my hand. And then I was in the hospital. And then she stitched me up. And then I asked her out. And then we were about to do it in an alley. But I was like, no. And then, like, we made out at her place. And we started taking off our clothes. But I grabbed onto the bell. But then I banged. And then we went out to the woods, and that's when she found out that I could have been the person that killed her father. And then she stabbed me, and then I tried to get her back. And then in the hospital, she was like, um, tell me the truth. And then she figured out that I was lying, and so she left. And uh, now you're in this world. Yay! You want a piece of apple pie? I think this is what that status on Facebook was created for. It's complicated. Yes. No one can even make up the situation. This is their lives. And now, like, they're going to have a kid into this. And it's kind of like we have all been saying that we don't want another little Jack running around. And this child will be brought up in the same or similar circumstances as Jack was. That makes me sad because don't these kids deserve more than that? It's just, I don't know going along now we then see darcy at the police department she's looking through files and evidence from the sbk case or cases from the past and then this current case 
and Dana refuses to admit ever making a mistake. So then Darcy asks her about a cufflink from David Morales' death, and the lawyer says they weren't able to retrieve it. She holds up a bag, it's empty, and says, oh, you guys didn't get this. So in her mind, this is a clear claim that the police aren't tracking and keeping evidence correctly. So then Allison is back with Gary at the jail, and he asks for help. And she says she'll speak to the DA about this. And then the news cuts in. There's a new development in the SBK case. Allison knows things are about to get a lot better. She's very sure about this. So we've seen about um, her blackmailing Jen, but Garrett has no idea. And then Garrett tells Allison to tell Tessa he would really love a chance. He needs a chance to explain to her. And she nods and then they part ways. So now it's 2015. In the flashbacks, Garrett finds Jenkins on the floor of the cabin, heaving and coughing heavily. So it's the congestive heart failure. It's kind of taken a turn for the worse. Garrett asks where his medicine is, and Jenkins says it's too late for that. He refuses to go to the hospital. Jenkins is, like, grabbing onto his shirt at this point. He's crying, and he's screaming for him to help him die. And Garrett keeps saying, well, I can't, I can't, I can't. So then Garrett just, like, sits there on the floor, and he's like, what am I going to do? So then Garrett decides to grab a pillow and puts it over Jenkins' mouth, and he smothers him to death. Garrett's fighting this the whole time, too. Like, as Garrett realizes he's dead, like, he stifles tears in his eyes, which I didn't expect, to be honest, because I, from what we've seen, like, I know he wouldn't want to kill somebody. But then I saw him cry, and I just totally broke that wall down for me. And then... I heard the cabin door squeak, so I thought someone had caught him, but apparently not. So what we see in the next scene is that the police arrive, and I think they take Jenkins' body, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then once the sheriff's car drives away, Gary just watches them leave, and he's just like, I can't believe it just happened. So then we see it's 2016. There's a knock on Garrett's cabin. A man comes to his cabin and says Tessa called for him, that his dad had a heart attack. So that's where gear entered into the timeline. Now we've seen the other side. I have two questions. First, do you think Garrett's defense lawyer will actually state a good case? And second, seeing how Garrett reacted to killing Jenkins, do you think he was ever involved with SBK despite what evidence and people have been saying? I think yes. She's going to find a way to get him off. Uh, you know, that technicality issue, you know, there are real life situations where you know you can get someone out of jail on a very small technicality so yes i do believe he will be getting out of jail very soon as far as him and uh the mercy killing i feel like that was his first time killing uh, like a human I don't believe he had ever killed anyone before. That's why he was really, really hesitant about doing it. I mean, this guy had become a mentor to Garrett. And uh, we know he was out there for 14 years. So he's known him for at least a decade. So he's become basically Garrett's only version of family. And... uh, I could see it in his eyes and in his actions that he did not want to kill the man. Even though it's a mercy killing, the man was was dying, he was ready to go, and he was asking for Garrett's help. You could see that he really struggled with it up until the point to where, you know, he was basically like, please, you know, help me. You know, I don't want to suffer anymore. This is... You know, these are my last breaths, and and I don't want to suffer this way. You know, help me. Put me out of my misery, basically. And that's when he obliged. Yeah, and the pain in his face, that kind of just, you know, despite what the scene provided us, 
I was relieved to see him upset and struggling. Now that we've seen that he actually is like more of a softie than I had even imagined. Okay, if you don't have the guts to be a killer, then you're not a killer. He helped him and he thankfully didn't get caught because that looked bad. Like I thought someone was going to come in, like I just said, and just like, oh, what the hell are you doing? But no one did because he got lucky. It was unfortunate, but I do think he was just doing it to help him and that was a big relief for me. So finally, so finally we are back at the jail. The news is on, and it appears Jed has made a shocking discovery in the SBK case, so she's on the news. She's not on the scene. She's, like, in a house. Um, so she reads a statement. The police believe SBK had an accomplice. It was me. I would have stayed quiet, but they wouldn't stop digging. Continue to pursue me, and they will all be forgotten. We didn't hear the rest of the statement, because the feed was cut off, and there was a figure dressed in black behind her. Jen screamed, like, what, what, no just before that video was cut off. So we then see she was killed on the spot. Sitting beside her was a silver bell. The SPK has struck again. Garrett's jail warden watched the report along with him and says, hey, I thought you were the killer. No, he's been framed. I've told you this for the past, like, ever. He dun, was dun, framed. Dun. The man at the jail wasn't listening to our podcast. No. We are taken back to that first flashback from 2002 where Madeline asked Garrett, like, what did you just do? So Garrett turns around and he looks frightened. And he says, he tried to kill me. What were your final thoughts on the end of the episode? I thought everything was beautifully done. Like seeing everyone's reactions to what was happening. I thought that was very well done. I mean, poor Jen. I mean, she was poking her head where she wasn't supposed to, so unfortunately, she had to pay the ultimate price. I kind of feel bad for Allison, because I have a feeling that her connection to Jen is going to come out, and it's going to make her look hella suspicious. So that's going to come back and bite her in the ass big time. Now, here's my thinking. Was that live per se, or did SBK's accomplice have that recorded and uploaded to air at that time? Because I'm saying that because with today's wonderful modern day technology, he could have, or she, whoever SBK's accomplice is, they could have recorded that earlier in the day, killed her earlier in the day and then made it look as if it was happening in real time at the time of the report at five o'clock or something like that yeah because the reason i'm saying this is because there were a lot of people that we know looking at the report looking shocked maybe they were watching what they had just done earlier that morning so we won't know until later if uh that was a live uh feed or if it was recorded but i just think that's something interesting to think about now as far as the flashback i think mitch attacked him or maybe he caught mitch killing one of his victims and the vic or like in the process of it and the victim attacked him and maybe he had to defend himself or something like that or i don't know that would make sense because that knife, like he has that knife and then maybe in a uh, twist of events, like he killed the victim because he was being attacked. But like 
that would look like Mitch and then he was the accomplice kind of thing, maybe? Exactly. I feel like it was self-defense. So if he has killed someone in the past, then it was for self-defense. Like, I don't feel like he, he purposely went out and killed this person because, as he said, he was attacked. Yeah, no, absolutely not. So, since we finished our recap, it's time to rate this episode. You may rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 silver bells. I'm going to go with uh, Poppy. How about you? What are you going to rate this episode? Oh, me. Yay, I get to go first. I'm going to rate this 9.5 silver bells. I thought it was a beautifully done episode. As I said in my initial reaction, I was not sure what they were going to do with this episode. I thought, you know, maybe this is going to be boring. You know, it's just going to be Garrett in the woods. But they made it really interesting. I love that he had a mentor out there in the woods, someone to show him the way. And all of the jail scenes were really interesting. I like that we saw every main character in some way, shape, or form, whether it was them visiting or chatting with uh, Garrett or seeing what they're up to out in uh, the... Uh, outside world uh, beyond the prison so i thought it was a really strong episode lots of great reveals lots of surprises some really killer see what i did there twists and turns <laughs> especially at the end and i was satisfied with the episode i know that they're gearing up to like the final phase of the series we only have four episodes left so it makes sense that they are kicking things up a notch and i'm here for it me too. All right. I think that's the highest rating of this season thus far. I just want to point that out. I don't think we've ever even got close to a nine. Jess with her 7.3, like, you know, point bells. Um, yes. Well, Jess, you can join us next time and you can give it a six if you want. So I will rate this nine silver bells. I have to agree with you on like almost every front. Like it was beautifully shot, even like the cinematography. It reflects like beautiful scenery and... I like how they played out the flashbacks, like they progressively got, like they did go back and forth a little bit, one appropriate, and yeah, they, they gave a lot of twists and turns that I wasn't expecting, but like the writers are like a couple of steps ahead. There's so many characters in play here. Overall though, Nine Silver Bells was like, that was it for me. It was a really solid episode. Now on to my favorite part of the podcast, Predictions. Who do you think the Silver Bells killer is and who is the accomplice? Uh, all right, Poppy, you did a good job. I'll, I'll pick you first again. Who okay, sounds good. All right. So last week I had a bit of a fluke week where I didn't choose the person that I've been usually saying. And that's because there really wasn't any evidence against her last week. And so I, I couldn't just justify it by saying everything, you know, that she's done in the past makes it suspicious or everything that... that appear suspicious in the past made it enough to nominate them last week so unfortunately i did have to pick garrett now after this week after seeing everything including the flashbacks i can't pick garrett because i just can't justify anything with him now usually i pick tessa and uh, i still feel like she is the accomplice i feel like mitch is sbk after this episode, I kind of feel like Madeline is all clear from everything SBK related, um, not including the fact that she knows who SBK and the accomplice is. So what I'm going to use as evidence against Tessa is the fact that Garrett seems to be protecting her from everything SBK oriented. You know, he made her think that he has killed 
someone, which made her think that he is the accomplice to SBK. He could have easily had said something to the gist of, yes, I have killed someone, but it was a mercy killing. You know, this was when I was out in the forest and I, and I had a friend and, um, you know, they asked me to kill them. But did he do that? No. He led her to believe that he was the accomplice. And I still feel like she has some sort of psychological something or other where she has blocked out, she has repressed the memories of her involvement in all of the SBK killings. She's probably even replaced the memories with false memories, you know, happier times. You know, maybe she thought that she was going to be... Uh, maybe she remembers, or she thinks that she remembers, waking up that early morning on her birthday to go on a hot air balloon ride. But in reality, it was her father waking her up to take her for her first kill. So, I feel like it's Tessa. I'm going back to Tessa. I had my little fluke last week because I just couldn't find anything to justify Tessa. Because it was a Tessa light episode last week. But this week, I have to go back to her and she just looked hella suspicious throughout the entire episode. Like, I just can't buy that she's Pollyanna innocent. I feel like now that she has given the picture to Brady, it's going to backfire. And at some point, maybe not in the ex next episode, probably in like the penultimate episode, we will see that someone recognizes someone on that picture. And they're not recognizing Garrett. They're recognizing Tessa. Okay, I have to say this is going to be probably the only episode where I agree with you because I had written down that the Silver Bells killer was Mitch and that the accomplice is Tessa and I've never done that because I'm like Madeline heavy and so that's crazy that we have the exact same like agreement on that. Yeah, it'd be funny though because I know right now Madeline, at least in this episode, looks innocent of everything now. It really looks like she has been a mother that's just trying to save her family from you know, sending one of them to jail and having this horrible brand associated with them. But it'd be funny if at the end of the series, if part of us both were right, because we basically are like the competing theories. Like you've always been Madeline. I've always been Tessa. It'd be funny if it really was Madeline and Tessa teaming up. Like yes. we could be 50-50 right. I will look forward to that. Now, I have to explain why I'm changing mine. And now, up to this point, I haven't been 100% Madeline. I did change a week um, because of what we've been shown. Correct. Same here. I had my one week with Garrett. Um, so the reason I'm completely changing my mind this week is because of what we've been given, like you said. So from what I gather, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Mitch. Like, we're mixed on Mitch at this point, but, like, this was, like, a clear, like, as day... Like, Mitch is like, Mitch tried to kill Garrett or something. He did something back in 2002, which may be why Garrett decided to leave Boston, go cabin hopping mm -hmm. in Maine. I think that is the clear reason, even though we haven't been actually told that, I know that. Although Madeline does still have so much stacked against her, and I, I'm not saying I'm deeming her innocent for sure, because I know she has done some sketchy things as well. Like, I can't excuse her from anything at this point. She seemed like she was trying to hold what dignity the family does still have together, like very, very little. Like she's trying to like cover all her bases, which is still backfiring. She, she's just doing what she can as a mom, which I guess that's what all we can expect of her at this point. Regardless of how demanding she acted yet again towards Garrett, like don't say anything ever. 
Like she was very angry about it. Like she was very pointed. And I'm like, still, really? Like you looked, you look good this week. Like don't ruin this. Um, and, <laughs> and it was funny I too. Like that it, that re your reaction is good. Don't ruin this. Yeah, well, you're like coming off scot free. Yeah, well, for, just for one episode. Um, and I was just gonna, I was also gonna bring up that picture thing. I knew that, yeah, like maybe they'll recognize Garrett, but like maybe like it won't mean anything to him. And I think this is gonna come as a shock to Brady. He's gonna have his his revelation and his reckoning very soon because I do think they're going to recognize Tessa instead. I and, agree. It's that yeah. whole thing with the blood. Because, uh -huh. like, I think at that moment we were kind of a little bit suspicious about Cam. And uh, then, you know, his blood, uh, you know, wasn't a match. And so Tessa it's going to be like the same thing. Messed up the DNA. Hi. Oh, I'm testing you. No, I think I'm just hiding myself because I know I'm guilty. Subliminally. I still think that's for some reason she's suppressing the memory. So Maybe. I feel like she's doing... She, when she did that, it was like subconsciously, subliminally. Like she didn't do it out of her own volition. You know, she was doing it because in the back of her mind, she's like, I'm a killer. So I need to hide this and all this kind of thing. I feel like it's either a split personality type of thing or she's severely repressing these horrors i think it's both um could be but yeah i think what i also think so spk has struck again and if mitch really is the killer he's not doing it anymore so i wonder if someone took his place as the killer after madeline pull, literally pulled the plug on him um because like i don't know if mitch is the killer it's like but who's been going in his place it can't just be the accomplice because we know that that's it's a team of two like that's been proven so like who would have taken his place? So I feel like they in the next four episodes they'll they'll announce that okay, the real the killer has been dead for however many months it's been or weeks since you know, Madeline killed him, which I don't know if that'll get out, but I I hope it does because um, she <laughs> seems guilty at that point, right? I was like that's her all the time, but I wonder if it's gonna come out the fact that um, it's literally like three or four people because they've had to switch out roles because Mitch is dead. And who, uh, Allison's getting suspicious, or whoever it may be, or Tessa's like gonna ruin this for us. I don't know. So I feel like maybe that would come out soon. Like that's just something that we'll have to see. Only time will tell if that's uh, going to be a thing. And with that, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Silver Bells Murders. Visit poppychuloradio.com/archives to download this episode and many more. Registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for The Silver Bells Murders and subscribe. Please like Poppy Chula Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Follow the show on Tumblr, thesilverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychuloradio. Email us via contact at poppychuloradio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an honor personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychuloradio.com. Co-host, wish the listeners a good night. Good night, listeners. SBK, we are on to you. And I know that Cutter might be out there giving information to the mayor, but uh, Brady's on the case and he's going to hunt you down. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of The Silver Bells Murders. Good night!